Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Jay Noon. And Joa. Mickey Mouse will soon be not under copyright. So, you know, after Scooby-Doo stopped being under copyright, people made like dirty cartoons with Scooby-Doo. Like any, it was free reign for anybody to use their images. So that's kind of stuff will probably start happening with Mickey Mouse and... That'll probably be pretty entertaining. I mean, I, I thought that Scooby-Doo movie or show was so stupid. I watched one episode with Ian. I can't remember <laughs> what it's called. It has um, Mindy calling, and I don't know who else in it. And I'm it was sure. like trying to be kind of like a family guy, but with the Scooby-Doo characters. And Interesting. It was so like woke and stupid. It wasn't funny at all. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I have seen. Oh, you did? Of it, yeah. Was Velma. Like a cartoon. Yeah, it's like an adult cartoon. Yeah, so it's, like, it's definitely adult-oriented. Yeah, so like Velma is the star of the show, the most annoying character. And is this where she's like uh, attracted to women? I, maybe. I, I honestly don't remember that part. I, I think so. I actually think you're right, but I barely remember. I let my kids watch a little bit of uh, uh, a couple of you know appropriate cartoons i'm like oh scooby-doo's cool and you know we have a uh, projection monitor i love scooby-doo like and, the regular one and uh so it was like i guess it's a newer age but definitely like like velma's like uh, i think it's velma she, uh that character is like attracted to the to the villain woman even and, in uh, the kids scooby-doo show yep. and That's uh weird. and she like starts blushing like this this, this the villain I don't know if I'm pretty sure it was like an episode, a show, but like the the villain is like some girl and, you know, she's obviously, you know, an attractive, you know, good looking girl. And like every time Velma like sees her, she starts like blushing and looking, you know, like obviously she has like, you know, she's crushing on this girl. And I'm like, ah, they're going to shut this garbage off. I mean, that's kind of weird. Like, I would say the same thing about a straight couple in in Scooby-Doo. Like they don't do that with like Daphne and Fred kind of seem to be together, but they don't show like. Daphne blushing, looking at Fred, uh, you know, like that's a little weird. The, the, um, the older uh, ones are like a little more uh, wholesome mm-hmm. and, uh, and so- better. Oh, my God. Like the first season of Scooby-Doo with like that haunted mansion on the island. I don't remember what else, but I got it on DVD one one year and watched it with my friends for Halloween like three years ago. It's so good. Like I would watch it again. It's easy to really figure out who the bad guy is right at the beginning of all the shows. It's the one that always assort- asserts. Uh, ass- uh, asserts authority. Ugh, I can't, mm. say, oh. can't speak. Interesting, yeah. really? Yeah, the one that always seems to have the rules or hmm. the understanding of the place, the one that's asserting authority hmm. is the, uh, the the culprit. I'm gonna they watch reveal it. the mask. I'm definitely going to watch it again and see if I notice that. That's pretty interesting. But Mickey Mouse will soon belong to you and me with some caveats. This is from fox59.com. It says, with several asterisks, um, I feel like I say that word wrong. Several asterisks, qualification, and caveats. Mickey Mouse, in his earliest form, will be the leader of the band of characters, films, and books that will become public domain as the year turns to 2024. A moment may close observers, and a moment many close observers thought might never come, at least one version of the quintessential piece of intellectual property and perhaps the most iconic character in American pop culture, will be free from Disney's copyright as his first screen release, the 1928 short 
Steamboat Willie. Oh, yeah, I, I knew he was like Steamboat so- something, but I thought he was Steamboat Mickey. But yeah, so the original Mickey Mouse was called Steamboat Willie, featuring both Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, becomes available for public use. Quote, this is it. This is Mickey Mouse. This is exciting because it's kind of symbolic, said Jennifer Jenkins, a professor of law and director of Duke's Center for the Study of Public Domain, who writes an annual January 1st column for Public Domain Day. As I guess a lot of things get stop being under copyright on January 1st every year for right. which everyone's it, like 100 years old. It's just interesting because like a lot of rappers use this like original OG footage mm-hmm. um, in, like, their videos. Really? Yeah. It's really strange. Maybe just have to get permission or something. Well, not anymore, because, like, mm. it's of age. Yeah, not anymore, but after 2024, 20, we'll be open for that. But you're saying people are already doing that? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Ghostmane. Have you ever heard of him? I've heard of him. I don't listen to rap, though. I, I like it. It's kind of like a dark, kind of grungy rap. Weird. It's a weird genre. It's a really weird genre. But there's a uh, music video called Mercury, and it's like he uses some of that stock footage and alters it, alters it for himself. So I wonder if he. Wait, you're talking about specifically Mickey Mouse? Uh, that time frame of footage from oh, okay. Disney, hmm. not the Mickey footage exactly, but that yeah. whole time frame. It's the same. Maybe like, they because they've been extending, getting extensions every year. Maybe other um, Donald. I mean, I'm sorry, Disney stuff from that time already came of age for mm-hmm. copyright. Unscreened caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name and what's your topic? This is Graham Sporton, and I'm calling you about cannabis. So here's what's happening in New Hampshire. I, I do a lot of paying attention to what's going on with the cannabis situation in, in New Hampshire. And there's a couple of things going on. First of all, I'm, I'm very upset that people aren't upset. Hmm. Because, you know, Carly, if you're, if you're a patient and you have a back problem or something, and you go to your doctor in New Hampshire. We have a medical cannabis program here in New Hampshire. Yeah, the doctor it's expensive. has to make sure he he make he gives you opiates first. So New Hampshire is is making sure people are getting opiates before anything. And we know that the opiates through the pharmaceutical companies are largely responsible for um, a lot of the uh, problems in the big cities in Boston and Philadelphia and New York, every city and uh, everything out west. Uh, opiates are a huge problem. So why is New yeah. Hampshire feeding this beast? That's, there might be question. a different way around that, though, because I actually got a medical marijuana card. Um, Ian, my husband, and I both did. But we have diagnosed PTSD. So maybe it's like there's specific some specific orders you don't need that because it's not about pain. It's about sleeping no, at night. No, I'm saying specifically for pain. If you have, oh, it's, okay. It's, it's, it's for patients who are looking for pain relief. That's crazy. That's so the, That's they're willing to risk know, your life instead of, right. so you have to risk your life. Then if it doesn't work for you and you're not addicted, yeah, you, didn't you qualify. For, so what, for what do you have to say about that, Jim? Well, so a couple of things. Uh, if people want internet search, Matt Gates, uh, so he's a uh, congressman, I, be- I think he's congressman from uh, Florida. Uh, quite recently, Matt Gates uh, very much grilled the director or the head or so, so, somebody from the DEA who's like a, a very high up. And he was talking about, you know, uh, f- like, I guess like fentanyl is not like on a schedule one, but marijuana is a schedule one. 
Uh, and I could have that a little wrong, what I just said, but definitely marijuana is still like Schedule 1. And yeah. he was talking about like with his, you know, DEA woman. I forget her name. I think she was like head of the DEA. Hmm. And he was talking about how in states that have medical marijuana have extremely low opiate use. And he was talking about all these studies and the, the DEA woman, you know, she's just, you know, clearly like bought and paid for by, you know, the, the, the drug cartel, which is essentially big pharma. Um, and, and she was like, oh, well, you know, we haven't got there yet and we haven't looked into it, but just everybody should check it out. Matt Gates, DEA, uh, marijuana schedule one. So the, um, but there's a lot of evidence, like, like uh, one of the things in Colorado, like Colorado is one of the first states to like, you know, do medical and then recreational mm-hmm. and like the, the opiate use like really dropped off. But the states where they don't have medical marijuana, the opiate use is very, very high. Now, with respect to New Hampshire, you know, if you pay attention to what Mike Gill has been staying, uh, saying, so Mike Gill has a YouTube channel called uh, State of Corruption NH or NH State of Corruption, and he talks about how, how like, New Hampshire uh, is basically, like, ground zero for the um, uh, opioid. And he had o- called opiate. in last week, too. Yeah, he called, so. in, he called yeah. in last week for, like, the opiate... That was crazy. Uh, ...opiate, you know, importing or distribution and fentanyl. And he, the shell companies to funnel the money. Yeah, so New Hampshire has this thing called uh, the New Hampshire Trust or New Hampshire Trust Bank or Bank Trust or something. And uh, so there's Gene Shaheen, who I believe is a u.s senator and her husband is like some like uber corrupt like lawyer and all lawyers are basically corrupt as far as i can tell yeah. uh, i haven't you know they're, they're just evil oh, horrible yeah. people well it, but, at, at the, if they're not an evil person i just think they don't have the right incentives like they work for the courts i feel like if anyone were to rip off mickey mouse and do something different with it it's like we would know we kind of would know right right because you can't steal a disney logo you can't We'll know. And even if you could, like, it, who cares? I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to be making something that's so great that nobody's going to buy Disney movies anymore. And Disney's yeah, going to Well, see, this is the thing. I don't know if Disney even is considering the, the lawyer fees in this or whatever mm-hmm. it might take to fight it. But Disney is going broke because they've gone woke and now they go broke. They've gone woke on all their crap uh, recently. Are they really going broke? I mean, that's Yeah, they lost a lot of money on their recent films and... Now that they're like uh, in touch with Marvel, I think it is like they're they're hurting. They're hurting. Their stock has fallen. They've had a tremendous uh, drop in um, uh, like subscriptions to like Disney or Disney Plus or something. Uh, yeah, just, I don't know. I, I don't know that I think they're going to be broke. Why would they still now, be around? And and the state of Florida going after them for their yeah. their uh, utilities of sorts, mm-hmm. their roads and. Yep. And infrastructures. After That's Disney really World. bad too. That's like another whammy on on the side of them. I don't know. Disney's gonna like. There's something gonna happen to it, but who knows? I and can't if, say I care much. If you uh, there's this guy Sheriff Judd. Uh, I I don't know what county is like, he. Sheriff Judd Apatow, that guy, or is he a good guy? Because the guy I'm talking about is bad. Oh, you're thinking of Joe Apio. Oh, uh, okay. no. This so this is in Florida. I don't know what county. Oh. Um, you know is right there where disney is but that sheriff judd he's does these press releases that are pretty entertaining where he's like well we oh, got yeah, these yeah. pedophiles and they're of course they're working for disney he says they're well, always and it's, yeah. but, but, but <laughs> like, it's real news oh yeah yeah Whoa. so um sheriff judd something i forget his name but he's he's an interesting fella and he's yeah and, and i uh 
I really can't say anything bad about the guy because well, I've never heard him like report on like some victimless crime. It's always like you know some like a child molester or some mm. somebody who's like murdering people. So he got in trouble for defamation because he made it sound like Disney someone was. that they arrested was actually doing something bad and they weren't. But there wasn't uh, wasn't like you know Disney related. Oh, but he he's gotten in trouble for his portrayal of the facts and that sort of thing. So he he needs to be careful. But I think he's I think he's. So, being better. So he might embellish a little bit because yeah, he's, yeah. he's a very entertaining storyteller. Like, mm. like Listening to his stuff is, is pretty entertaining. It's a pretty bad idea, though, to um, embellish stuff that could get you sued. It, it definitely sensationalizes the but, so, but he's, situation. He, but he's definitely mentioned many times. Yeah. He's like, well, this guy's a pedophile, and he works for uh, Disney. Like but one Disney, of the characters walking around the park in a Mickey I, Mouse costume hugging kids or something? I have no idea what the role is, but if you're a I pedophile, you know, if you are a predator, like... You know, just like we've said before, uh, DCYF, for example, uh, is, uh, you know, a very, very attractive place for child predators because you get qualified immunity uh, because all the cases are sealed. You know, they're they're just very hard to investigate. And then, like, you can, like, and another thing, too, with child protection services is when kids run away, uh, they don't report them as runaways. What do they do? They don't do anything. They don't report them as runaways. You gotta like look. Go you gotta missing. go to Lost and Found. So, so like <laughs> Disney. So, so like, oh, if, like Disney World specifically. Sorry, I thought no, you were saying DCYF. I'm just saying DCYF. But oh, I, oh, I don't. Yeah, I, I no, say, in Disney, right? But no, well, I'm just Oops. saying like like child protection services. If you are, 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 you know, if you're a predator, that's like an ideal place for you to work. If you're a child predator, they just take the kid and don't report. Oh, we so, found this kid. So when kids go go missing that are under in in, in care of child protective services. They do not report kids that go missing because they cl- they claim they're a runaway. Oh, like, from their own services, like from right, a right. foster parent's house. Correct. I thought or, you were talking about Disney for a second because, like, if a kid goes missing at Disney World, right? They don't they don't report this to the police. They report this only to their own security. Whoa! But it's so big that you know this is where the state's going to come in and probably utilize and have police officers throughout the whole park. Now, did you guys know that Disney? Land and World are both really haunted because of many deaths that have happened there. And also, yeah. apparently there's this thing that they have a huge problem with. They have to clean, like there's like a man-made river in, in each of them. They have to clean it deeply once a year because so many parents come take their kids' ashes and spread it in the rivers at Disney World. Ew. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. And it's like why man-made. You, why would you bring it there? So they have to go get um people like they have a policy against like do not bring your children's ashes and come oh spread them at Disney World. Wow. We also have Tim in Florida on the line. Tim, what's on your mind? Oh man, well the first thing that was on my mind was I reached for my beer and it's out. So I got a warm one <laughs> from the box. Well that sucks. Um, a warm one? Yeah. But Terrible. it's because I don't want to walk to the fridge because now I'm online. I'm on the radio. So I'm not going to walk to the fridge. Oh, cheers. Uh, anyway, I've been listening to a LibriVox audio version of a book called uh, Eusebius Church History. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Eusebius? But, uh, I, yep. Yep, Eusebius. Um, so some people have accused him of fictionalizing a lot of history, uh, you know, but I don't know. But there was a particularly interesting story. He has a lot of stories of martyrs in the first 300 years, um, one of which was an older lady who, you know, confessed, uh, you know, confessed to be a Christian, which was a death sentence. And um, 
and basically your reward, they call it the crown, the trophy is your martyrdom and your death. And uh, so during uh, during what would normally be a, a normal Colosseum spectacle, instead they hung her from a cross upside down. Uh, oh, wow. And, and uh, basically released wild beast to eat her while there was some other battle going on between gladiators. I don't know if they were fighting other animals or people, but they basically, because the wild animals would not eat her, they they took courage to fight. So can you give us a lowdown who Eusebius is? Uh, he's some kind of Roman uh, church historian. I don't, you know, I feel, I kind of knew when I called in tonight that Maybe I'd have to well, follow um, up with more information, but I know that uh, he's um, known to be sort of like the father of like the church. So like hmm. he sort of uh, gathered the stories and and basically, I think he was trying to portray him in a certain way. And like, yeah, you know like how, Irenaeus. You know how it goes with the. But then you got like you know Constantine and uh, the rest of the disciples deciding what the rest of the stories are. But he was a part of it, you know. I would say he's most influential to it. Ian and I are also reading a book right now that talks about the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas, and it the book is more interesting than that because it just gives you a bunch of history of early Christianity. I had no idea that at the very beginning, like the earliest, like, you know, 100 years after Jesus died, people were saying, like, it's just so crazy how these Christians, they're from all different walks of life, but they have the same belief and they are voluntarily taking care of each other. Like they would have funds and, you know, pull things together for each other voluntarily for, you know, older sick people or or poor people. And they were doing all that stuff voluntarily. And it was shocking, um, like Romans or, you know, people who weren't Christians that ran into them. They were like, what's up with these people? Like, they're really not selfish. And, and I just found that was really interesting because they don't normally teach you that, like in, in anything you ever hear about that stuff. They talk about a lot of the killings, um, you know, whenever you hear about that kind of thing. But I thought it was really interesting that that was a successful little society. Well, many societies all over the like uh, Roman kingdom or whatever you call that um, of voluntarists kind of just mm-hmm. because they... Yeah believed in Jesus's um, message of do unto others. And that's all the non-aggression principle is, is do you unto others as you'd have them do? I almost uh, like not to shun of religion or anything like that, but I think a lot of this that was happening like in Roman times with Christianity, it was, it was just uh, a trend. It's like Pokemon cards. It's like, let's, we're, we're kind of bored. Let's try this new thing. And hmm. I literally think that's what has been going on for a long, long time. Well, I just think it's cool that some people got inspired by Jesus's word to do something actually good. You know, like plenty right. of people got inspired by biblical text to do bad things as well. I like you know? to say that no religion is wrong. It's just as long as it works for you and you're not killing people at the end of the day. I think Joah had an uh, interesting subject he wanted to bring up about the movie. Oh, the movie. Yes. The Obama apparently. Leave the world behind. Mm-hmm. And, 
You know, I didn't really actually even know anything about the movie. I didn't so know. So you watched it, though, right? uh, Yeah, but I had no idea it was actually funded by Obama or anything. So I went into it completely biased. I just started to watch it because it had some good known actors like uh, Julia Roberts and Kevin Bacon and Ethan Hawke, uh, a few other people, well-known people. But the movie was good overall, I've got to say. Uh, but the thing is, is that it was clearly a warning to the public like what what's going to happen i don't want to spoil it too much and kind of warning if you want to see it i don't want to spoil it for you because you kind of want to go into it with the surprise yeah but it it seemed like uh they really did want to sort of let us know that not particularly how the movie went down would be the way things happen but you know an imminent like attack could occur in all kinds of directions, and how are you prepared? These are all kind of things that get brought up in the movie, and it you know it's up to you guys to get be prepared if something happens. And let's just say you just had to prepare for like two weeks. Are you even prepared for two weeks? Yeah. So, and and how are you prepared? Uh, is a different prescription for everyone. Yeah, and like in the prepping sense, it's one thing, but in a mental sense, like, are you mentally prepared to deal with this for for a month, maybe? And and yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between you know living in a condo in a city, to where you know you're literally getting Uber Eats every day, or do you live out on a farm? You know, that's off grid in the middle of nowhere. Like for example, this morning I was at a a, a farm, Bardo Farm. Uh, you know, they're an off-grid farm, basically in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, you would have to probably leave Bardo Farm to realize, you know, that the, the, it's hitting a fan. <laughs> you yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, for example, but like, uh, you, you know, even my place is, you know, uh, if the power goes out, uh, you know, I, I, you know, we have a plan, we have ideas. Like, you know, one of the first things that we're going to start doing when the power power goes out is we're going to start uh, pressure canning a lot of meat. Yeah, so I got meat in freezers, for example. Um, and the other thing too is when if you know if infrastructure stops right away, uh, you know one of the reasons I I just I have three rabbits, for example, uh, one male rabbit and two female rabbits. And if like w- w- yeah. those rabbits, we're going to start breeding rabbits right now. It, you know, it, it, you know, as part of the plan too, uh, because you can you know produce a lot of rabbit meat pretty quick. Uh, rabbits, you know, sure. you know, reproduce very, very fast. Joe, you got rabbit experience. Yep. And um, and then we also have uh, been practicing. So one of the things that I, I think New Hampshire is a really great place to be uh, when it hits the fan, especially if it happens in like January and you're in rural New Hampshire, you know, these city people aren't aren't going to make it to your farm to aggravate you if there's no fuel, hmm. if they can't run their cars, they're going to freeze to death before they get and there. And too fat to walk a mile. And well, yeah, most of <laughs> most of the city people, oh yeah. Like right now, 42% of Americans are like obese. Yep, we were talking about it yesterday. They're trying to make fat phobia illegal in Colorado. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, the skinniest God. state, which is that that's like the weirdest part. And and well, Colorado has just gone totally off the rails. I, I think people um, would go hungry because they're not willing to even kill the animal. Well, I well, feel like that's well, gonna be a big off, pop, big percentage of population. Well, like you mean like a dog? Because I mean, I mean, that's not the difference between life and death. Like it's not like if I eat coconut, I'll survive ten more years, and if I don't, it, it's like there's I'm lots not, of reasons. I'm not talking about things that've been domesticated. I'm talking oh. about like you know, if you see a wild rabbit, are hmm. you going to be able to? Or non-domesticated farmed rabbit, right? I mean, and, and you could are you going to be able to harvest that? You're going to be able to take care of it 
you know, to to be able to prep it for food and everything. You're gonna I be wouldn't able to do even that. be able to catch one, if I'm being honest. Actually, I can't catch a rabbit. I mean, I can. I, I actually, I can knock one out with a stick. I could use coconut to catch a rabbit, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, when I was in Colorado, we used to pick off rabbits all the time with a 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, with the, yeah, you know, so. And I'm just thinking, like, not everyone's going to have a 22. So like, another thing we had is we had a really good slingshot, and there was this Mexican guy. And every time that we worked on, like, uh, something we had to replace the bearings, uh, we would take the uh, little ball bearings uh, or, yeah. or even the radio bearings, and we'd put them in a bucket, slingshot ammo, mm-hmm. and, you know, like pieces of half a piece of chain link, uh, bearings, like little metal things. And the Mexican wow. guy, he, he could, like, you know, half the time he would he would nail the rabbit dead, well, and like and you eat know, them? uh, yeah. Well, we fed him to the dogs mostly, or mm-hmm. I, he yeah. took him and fed him to his dogs. Uh, but actually, the rabbits in Colorado, because we were surrounded by alfalfa fields, were really good hmm, because they were basically free range alfalfa rabbits. But the problem with a lot of the rabbits is like they're just loaded with parasites. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, like wild rabbits. I mean, yeah, you better really cook that stuff. And you know, I. I'm glad that you two are on the show because I, whenever ever I was hearing about, there were some free staters that were like all excited and ready to eat bear, a wild bear someone shot. Yeah. That's one of the first things I thought, like, wouldn't that be a very parasite animal? Like, it could. What do you guys think about that? I, I, so, I just was a little flabbergasted also because I just don't really see the purpose. Like there are already so many other things for people well, to eat. The, the, the obvious thing would be just cook it enough. The generation of the 72, you know, to 80 some odd year old farmer, you know, made their kids work and they worked them hard. And so those kids now are all in like their 40s and their 50s. And these guys are hardworking, ambitious guys. So they go get these corporate jobs and they can make a half a million dollars a year, $250,000 a year. But because they have these corporate jobs that, that they'll work 60, 80 hours a week, because when you grow up as a farmer, you got no problem working 60 or 80 hours a week. So what happens, you know, in the farming was was hard in the 50s, hard in the 60s. Today, it's easy. But anyways, it, it's not easy today, but it was way harder back then. You know, the weather forecasts weren't as good. You know, there was no tractors with air conditioning. You, you know, you, you, I mean, but these guys were, that were, you know, that were, um, you know, old, their old timers on the tractors in the 50s and the 60s were so happy they weren't doing it looking at the hind end of a horse, you know, the whole time because they right. grew up, you know, farming with horses. So... Then their kids, you know, get this tremendous work ethic, and then you know, in the eighties, when they're when they're adults, are like, I can I, I I can make you know all this money working a corporate job and all these hours, um, I'm just going to do that. And then they get so used to their corporate job that by the time they have their own kids, you know, they're just putting their kids in in daycare. Or n- now nowadays, they're you know they're they're just putting their kids in front of a, an internet device because it's a cheap, inexpensive babysitter. pacifier and babysitter. And when they're sending them to daycare. You know, a lot of these daycares are using the, uh, you know, the internet device also. Wow. So, oh, it's so sad to see the like, the, the even parents dropping kids. Just sit there and watch kids. You can't do it. You gotta give them a. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like tablet, childcare. Now you drop off your kids, and they give them a tablet. Wow. That's and they so go bad. and sit down wherever, and they drone away, and then they're forced to play kickball. And you have a few that complain. They get their way, and they get to still play on their tablet. And like, <laughs> that's terrible. But so Wait, kick, kickball is too too uh, too physical. So so and, and, <laughs> and not joking. and by yeah. the way, not all Bullying. daycares you know uh, use tablets. But 
you know, you know, there's going to be a big difference. Like the daycare that you that's using the tablets, obviously going to be a cheaper daycare and a daycare that's not using. So there are definitely daycares that are like doing like stellar jobs, hmm. but they are expensive because they have a, a staff that is, you know, very involved and it takes, you know, a lot of attention. So this is kind of what brings on, you know, so like, like these, like the average American farmer is in his, is in his mid seventies right now, according to, you know, the numbers oh that like owns a farm. Well, scary. Same thing with like you know a lot of these like nuclear power plants and you know like so my my father in law he was he's seventy four he you know he's a retired you know um, mechanical engineer oh. uh, so he worked in nuclear power plants most of his life I mean the guy is like just has so much knowledge um, in fact I'm I'm really disappointed that he's just like you know hanging out retire he's retired in florida just you know watching tv hey. and sitting in his pool because <laughs> he should be like teaching a bunch of kids you know his knowledge hmm. he actually um but i'm very fortunate that when i first bought my house my house was i basically bought a fixer-upper it needed a lot of repair and when i first bought the house he spent mm, the better part of a year he would show up two or three days a week for a year and just just you know he would cut all the boards and i'd be up on the ladders and the scaffolding you know and uh he, you know, he was, you know, 68, 69 years old, you know, when we got to house and he like just helped me out so much. And he taught me a lot. I, I About learned, building things. Well, just as I was doing this, I was learning all these things. And I also have a geodesic dome. And because he was a fan of uh, Buckminster Fuller, who was like, you know, the grandfather of geodesic dome t- you know, houses, you know, hmm. here in America, he always wanted to be a, build a geodesic dome. So he was excited to help me work on his house. But he just... Nice. You know, help me with all like plumbing, electrical, you know, framing, concrete work, roofing. Uh, you know, how does he know all that stuff? Just being a because he engineer. grew up as a farm kid. Oh, okay. Oh, so yeah, he's not your typical engineer. Yeah. So, yeah, so most sure. engineers are pretty useless except for what they're. You know, uh, it's, I'm serious. Like they, you know, like you know, oh, I'm an electrical engineer, but you know, I can't zip up my fly or you know, change a tire. <laughs> you know, I'm a mechanical engineer, but I couldn't touch anything electrical because that's not my job. This is another thing that academia has done to hmm. you know uh the modern world is they've compartmentalized everybody yeah so everyone has one specific skill and either doesn't have the confidence to try doing something else wouldn't dare or that you know they're not ins- they don't have the liability insurance to do something else it's kind of like these unions we have some people we know in the community this year that really want to make fork face make fork fest great again yeah uh uh, myself and my friend Colin, we've yep. been actually talking and planning on doing some uh, stuff at Fork Fest. I would like to have, uh, you know, some um, awesome. presentation. I'd, uh, I I plan on being at Fork Fest, uh, and I'm probably going to be pretty low key at Pork Fest. Um, I I I I can't afford to spend, you know, like ten days up at Rogers Campground. Uh, uh, last year, it was just I lost a lot of work. And it was expensive to have, you know, somebody, you know, take care of my farm while I was gone and like no, no garden weeding got done. And it was just, it really slowed us down a lot. So, uh, but I definitely, uh, would like to do some fork fest and, awesome. uh, and then we'll probably just going to go up and Kent tent camp, you know, the last, um, couple of days of pork fest, you know, just up by the, uh, kid thing. Cause I'm just going to do stuff with my kids. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for the uh, couple of days of Pork Fest. They any- love running around there, don't they? I always see Jay's kids just all over Pork Well, at least oh, your daughter. 
Yeah. Yep. Maybe the the boy can't go as far, but I oh, always see a daughter running He can around. he can hang with anybody now. You oh know, wow. He's, uh, yeah, he seems guy, pretty chill. He well, he just loves to climb. He just wants to climb everything. Um, <laughs> wow. And he is like a, a daredevil, and he wants to climb on stuff and jump off of it. Uh, definitely very much different, you know, than my daughter. My daughter still is is not as brave, and she's you know almost two years older yeah. than my son, and. Uh, he is just super brave, and you really you gotta like. It's like another thing I've been telling people is like, you you know, like the free rangers. I'm like, you know, parents like, you know, uh, or you know, I'm like, you, you gotta understand, mom and dad are the frontal lobe until that frontal lobe's developed <laughs> and made all its neurological pathways. That makes sense. You know, to the brain. So you know, you are the frontal lobe. So you really gotta monitor them and pay attention to them, especially the boys, because. They're crazy. <laughs> yeah. I guess I haven't seen them in a while because I feel like the last time I saw him, you were asking me to not let him like fall over on the trampoline. So he wanted to be there while the other kids were jumping, but he was just kind of like a, like a baby. Like I was yep. just he's holding him up and now he's then. like climbing trees or something. <laughs> yeah, well, he hasn't climbed any trees yet. Hmm. Um, uh, and you know, we've got, we've got some awesome trees. This is New Hampshire. I mean, I grew up not, you know, I grew up 60 miles south of right where we are right now. Massachusetts is basically the same landscape. Mm -hmm. And there are, uh, I, you know, I was telling my uh, 12 year old nephew that I used to climb to the top of that tree right there at the farm. And he's like, that thing's like a hundred foot in the air. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't do stuff like that. My older brother would climb trees that were like way higher than the yep. houses, but I loved climbing trees as a kid like i had my favorite ones and me and my friends in the neighborhood because i am a, a zoomer i'm pretty sure a generation z or the last year of millennial whatever but everybody likes to say oh gen x is the only generation that was able to just run around till the stoplights or streetlights came on but i did that and um mm. me and my friends we would do this thing where whoever could climb to the top of a tree owned that tree "Quote unquote," it was just a stupid rule, and like I owned King like the mountain. I owned like all the trees in, in our neighborhood. <laughs> nice. So last segment we got to talk about pigs a little bit. So oh, yeah. we had mentioned about raising pigs and concrete floors. So here's the thing that happens when the pigs are raised on concrete floors. All the outfits I've seen, where there are uh, you know these hog operations, whether I've seen pictures, I've been to a few of them. Uh, there was uh, there was one that we used to um, when I worked in Colorado. Uh, my stepfather had a uh, custom harvest crew, and we also had a manure spreader spreading operation. So we had like half a dozen manure trucks. So there was a hog farm that we cleaned up uh, that we did the uh, the manure, and it had a concrete floor. But there's always bedding, so they would mm. use like sand or wood chips, uh, or um, they didn't really like using like straw and uh, and um, corn stalks because the pigs would eat that. But uh. like. But like, yeah. uh, there, so so there's a big hog outfit, uh, New York State. It's in New York. I can't remember what town, but I, I was there a few years, uh, about 15 years ago, and they used like sawdust, you know, wood sawdust, because they had you know sawdust mill not far. So basically, what they would do is there would be like, um, they, so the building was like I think 40 foot wide for where the hog pen was, and it was about 260 foot long. And what they had is they had these 20 foot gates, like every 50 or 60 foot. So they would close the section off. And then they would take a skid steer or, 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 or a loader and they would push all the manure out and they and then they would add more bedding. But they would go in there and keep adding bedding. So they weren't just on concrete. The, yeah. Right. They're trying to reduce floor. they're trying to reduce infections and uh them 
being amongst their own feces as often as they usually are in their nature. Right. right. So hmm. did they, but but they were definitely, you know, you, you know, it was it was they had to like every day they would take a section of this thing and and, so, and, and like not every day but every couple of days they'd take a section of this hog barn and they would clean it out. Yep. Or kind of like a, week. a giant pig hamster cage. Exactly. Pork, the other white meat, was essentially propaganda because when with 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 the farm subsidies, which has just done nothing but make our food just terrible, is degraded our food massively. Farm subsidies yep. and everything that's subsidized is the stuff you shouldn't eat. Yeah, like corn syrup, so we're not having regular sugar. It just tastes worse. Yeah, they they're making everything out of corn. Like I think uh, it's hyper- maybe yeah, even it's more addictive. addictive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Absolutely. Well, look, think wow. of the, think of it like this: um, sugar if. The sugar is what we crave, and if we're getting something other than sugar, though it has like you know the the dietary sugars, it's just that we're not getting that pure sugar, so we crave it you more. Keep drinking it, yeah, you want, it? yeah, exactly. Wow. So purity so is important in our diets. Pork, the other white meat propaganda was because when they started this stuff in the '60s, people were like, "What's this white meat?" Hmm. And then they it used st- to be just really red, pink. It right, used to said- be. So so and so another thing too is like the Tamworth pig uh, was has like a like a an, an inch and a half of fat on its back. Hmm. So that was like uh, uh, 70, 80, 100 years ago was like the number one type of pig that was yeah. raised in the United States hmm. because everybody fried their food in pig lard. Yeah. And it wasn't really till, you know, the 50s and the 60s where and it was where you had uh you know the Crisco which was basically, you know, hydrogenated vegetable oil, uh-huh. you know, leftover kind of garbage yeah. uh, from And like, they convince people it's healthier than and, pig yep. lard. So, so stupid. So and they lied. So, like, well, they did this in public schools with home at class. They, they also did, this did it with, with like early they um, d- I remember Crisco being used in my home at class. Yeah. And, hmm. and they also, there was all this propaganda of, um, you know, they would give you free cookbooks. Uh, and they would say, "Oh, a, a good housewife uses Crisco, and you know, here's this free free cookbook." And they would, you know, and then and, and Crisco was like a, a fraction of the price of the pig lard. And then today's modern, like Berkshire, uh, what do they call them, uh, Yorkshire uh, land race kind of pigs that you like see? These are all white ones. Uh, you know, they have like when you look at the pork chop, there's like three eighths of an inch of fat in a lot of those pork chops. And another thing too is. The commercial hog industry—they don't want pigs that are huge. Uh, they just don't want them big they, because they're they're a lot of work to deal with. Huh. So, and, and when you grow a hog, to, you know, for only you know five, six, or seven months, it doesn't have a lot of fat on them. When you oh, grow okay. them out, they, and they know, don't care about that anymore because like fat is also delicious flavor. If you're eating like a pork chop, but that's not th- uh, there's not I'm, a lot of industry there's not a lot of industry demand for fat because wow because the animal based fat has been replaced with all of this hydrogenated seed oil stuff that is actually Terrible. one of the things that are making us super, super, super sick. And super sick, super fat. Along I, with I the, uh, when they package these uh, with pork and chicken now, is that they're using blending up bugs and they're using that as filler. So to make, keep to an eye on the ingredients. I forget the exact chitin scientific terms. Is one of the ingredients that is like chitin is basically crickets. Crickets. What? Yep. Chitin? Chitin. C-A-I-T-E-N. Chit. Yeah, chitin, Radio, yeah. I believe. Oh, wow. And there's like Locoso or something like that. It's like, it's locusts. So it's like, that's grasshoppers. Whoa. Right? Yeah, I, I haven't heard of Locoso. But yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. And But basically, the bottom line is you shouldn't be buying, you you know, like, like another thing I'm like with parents, like, 
you know, so children are born with like all of the IQ they're going to get, and it's very hard to increase. But you can really decrease it. Poisoning them with seed oil. Well, one one way you can decrease it is you can give them fake fat, like the bad fat, seed oil fats, right? Mm-hmm. So this is your country crock, your yep. buttery spreads, Margarine your veg- vegetable spreads, Crisco, all all the vegetable seed oils, oil. all the vegetable oils, um, the hydrogenated Other than, like, oils. You can feed them butter, which is yep. good for them, and My kids eat olive all oil. Uh, olive oil, if you're not going to heat it up, it's fine. Coconut oil. And I don't really trust olive oil. Uh, coconut oil, it, yeah, it's something I'm... I'm not a big fan of coconut oil uh, so much either, just really? because. Well, just a lot of the production of coconut oil and the fact yeah. that it's so commercialized and it's really, you know, it's not like that. It's one of the healthier oils, but I don't think it's the tastiest. And animal- yeah, I don't really love it for taste, but ghee is my number one thing. So I ghee's really with. good. Uh, you know the um, uh, the beef suet, uh, the pork lard, you know, like the chicken fat, like the chickens I raise. Everybody raves about how fatty they are and how yeah. good they yeah. are. Yep, I ate two for Thanksgiving, and they were so good. I wanted to move on to this story from Al Jazeera. I had one that said, um, what are the environmental impacts at, at the war on Gaza? But it was a video. I didn't realize. Um, so I looked it up again. Al Jazeera had one from December 5th that we hadn't covered. So let's just read this one. It says, is Israel's Gaza bombing also a war on the climate? And the thing about it is, maybe some of these things I can't really say that I know for sure change the climate, but well, I know what hypocrisy is. I, I know that when something goes boom and you make a big giant fireball, I mean, you couldn't imagine how destructive that is to the earth. Yeah, right. I mean, no matter how much that we change it to make it a city, you're still blowing something up that requires to get more resources. It's not just... You know, the fireball that happened right there. Mm-hmm. It's you're gonna have to fix it. You're gonna have to build these, use resources from around the world yep. to build these structures again. It is horrible what they've done. It is. Yeah. I was just saying. I just I don't know what I've really. I don't have a belief about the climate change specifically because I don't just believe things. Like I like to know facts yeah. about it, and I I haven't like looked into it like that. But I do obviously believe that there are things humans can do that are bad for the environment yeah well every well think about this every time they shoot off a tomahawk missile uh roughly 500 ounces of silver is just blown up it disintegrated yeah silver was i mean it's gonna be hard to find if anything if but i'm pretty sure it just disintegrates and like just just so silver isn't like gold like an eternal i I forget what they call it an eternal material or something well think of it like this it's it's on uh chips right Mm -hmm. so they're using it for soldering and for the connections and and these things so they're fast uh you know responding because silver is the fastest conductor right so Mm -hmm. they have to make these things to respond fast and if it's all spread out amongst chips thinly amongst you know 500 ounces spread out thin and you just blow it up into a yeah. big fireball. That is scattered everywhere. Okay, that you, makes sense. You really just can't find like little chunks of it anywhere. It's it's all gone. Hmm. You know, so that and how long does it take to get five hundred ounces out of the ground? Like, what's all? What? Depends, how much labor de- depends on the operation. I know, but like <laughs> it, it it means something significant. Yeah. Five hundred yeah. ounces times, let's just say twenty five. You know, that's a lot of money. Twenty five dollars. It's right? like five hundred ounces and like a typical bomb is what you're saying, or you just kinda of make it. Each guess? tomahawk missile. Yeah, oh. Tomahawk missile, yep. yep. Oh, okay. So And more in other other missiles and other technology that gets blown up constantly but, and but, like but you know, sil- you know. The silver is like, you know, the least offensive of of all the chemicals 
and not not to mention even like the bullets that have depleted uranium. Sure. And, and, mm, and yep. people are like, why do they use depleted uranium? Well, it's uh, uranium illegal, to make right? a bullet. Technically, <laughs> they got them everywhere. I mean, yeah. I- Iraq is in parts of uh, is covered with depleted uranium, and the reason wow. they want to use uranium is because it's so dense. Hmm. It's way heavier than than uh, copper or steel or um, yeah. or lead. Yep. And same thing with silver. Silver is way more dense than lead. So if you actually made a, a bullet out of out of uh, silver, it would penetrate you know armor you know way better than lead because it's it's more dense. I just can't imagine being a person who sits around designing these things, building them, and being fine with us. Oh you my gosh, like, could you imagine? No. Could you imagine being like a war? Sort of uh, inventor. No. So you invent things for war, people and you see how much, war. like John a... Stark and Iron Man, you're right. Like I, th- I imagine like that's how these people live their lives. Right. Like it's just as crazy as like sitting uh, when you whenever you learn about like the Spanish Inquisition and the people sitting around thinking of new ways to torture people. It's just as crazy. Yeah, we should consider it crazy when people become in such positions of power. Mm-hmm. There's no check on them. You know, and then they end up being like, you know, a Hunter Biden, for example, you know, just able to get away with all yep. this kinds of stuff forever and forever. And just yep. because for generation, you know, for at least one generation, you know, that family or a couple of generations, they've been able to get away with all kinds of, you know, horrible things. Saying just all the, the political crime families, whether they're the Clinton crime family, the Bush crime family, the yep. Biden crime family, you know, they're just, you know, these guys, uh, this is why. The founding fathers put like, you know, power should never be, you know, uh, allowed to be like, you know, within a class of men or within a family. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, that was, you know, you know, one of the things like mar- uh, monarchy. yeah, Right. Because, you know, you get what we got now, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Well, well I, 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 I just like I can only imagine like it's, just, it's never ended uh, with all these like things that they they've built and stuff. But I just remember like going to like the Renaissance Fair and going to the torture uh area and like you walk through this thing uh this building you see all it's like a museum of all these torturous devices and i you know it's the same thing the same sort of people are around nowadays that the building is something that you know is a projectile it really is in the award-winning article fluoride teeth in the atomic bomb journalist chris bryson and joel griffiths discuss how the first lawsuits against the u.s a-bomb program were not over radiation but over fluoride damage the lawsuits were fi- filed by a group of farmers in southern New Jersey whose peach orchards were destroyed and whose animals were made sick by heavy fluoride emissions from the nearby DuPont factory. The DuPont factory, located in Deepwater, New Jersey, was doing contract work for the U.S. government and was producing massive amounts of fluoride to keep up with the government's increasing demand, according to Bryceff and Griffiths, 1997. And, wow. you know, I'm actually not surprised about this because... Uh, um, I'll just say someone that I know said their time in Florida prison was terrible in the sense that uh, they pretty sure they were being poisoned with, uh, you know, basically they were feeding the prison population like depleted uranium or something, and they were they were doing that to to, um, to uh, neutralize it all because when it goes to the human body and you pee it out, it's neutralized. It's, um, but yeah, it's uh, they were. They try to get rid of byproduct, and it's it's everywhere, especially in uranium production. I guess it's fluoride, right? Yeah, it's a. It, well, I don't know if it's uranium or plutonium, but definitely from the A bomb, there was all kinds of uh, fluoride. So basically, the fluoride that they're being put in your water, uh, the fluoride that's being put in your toothpaste, is this 
you know, byproduct of, you know, making, you know, nuclear bombs. Hmm. It's also could yes. be a byproduct from uh, aluminum, uh, manuf- uh, refining of aluminum from aluminum ore, from what I understand. And the uh, and they're just essentially filtering it through the kidneys of the population. It's another, another reason not to be on city water or so, in yeah. cities. Um. I know that city or companies like to put a put all of their byproducts used to just make the ultimate amount of money that they can make. Um, is that all this is? Like, do you think that they basically brainwash dentists to tell them that's good for your teeth so that way they could get rid of this byproduct they need no, to I, sell? Or it, it's totally to, to make uh, us docile uh, in the sense that it, a pineal gland is pineal. supposed to yeah. become calcified. Yeah, oh, and chloride. It's funny because I'm Hitler. Chloride. Hitler was very successful at doing this uh, against, you know, the Jewish I've population. I that he used but, he, but he copied it mm-hmm. from the United States. Oh, wow. So actually, uh, two places, Rhode Island was the first state to uh, to make it like law, like a mandated thing for towns. Uh, wow. But only half the towns do it. And then, but the first place to actually start, they actually like tested it in the water. Believe this or not, Michigan, Flint area, Whoa. Ann Arbor. Hmm. They tested fluoride in the water there first. And here's the thing about fluoride. When you when your body gets fluoride, your body thinks that fluoride is calcium. It basically so calcium and fluoride can have uh, can attach six electrons uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that fluoride attaches really well to itself is lead. So this is where uh so lead like generally isn't really an issue. If it's in like the water or or in like the environment, it'll mostly just pass through your body, from what I understand. But as soon as fluoride becomes in you know part of the part of the uh, ingredients, now fluoride is like the catalyst for the body to really absorb the lead, hold on to it, and cause some serious damage. Whoa! Uh, yeah, I, I used to I, I participate in a lot of. Uh, uh, like uh, anti-fluoride activism in uh, Denver, Colorado, with this group called uh, WeAreChangeColorado.org. Uh, basically, it was kind of a you know a spinoff of Luke Radowski's We Are Change. It was mm-hmm. like a, a subchapter, and uh, these, more about in, um, environmental things. Uh, well, uh, that was one of the things they would they would definitely go to the uh, Colorado, you know, the Denver Water Board stuff, and they mm-hmm. would you know do a lot of activism there like bullhorning you know the water board in the auditorium and stuff because they just wouldn't listen to anything well, and we would whoa. pass out flower flyers about you They're know the poison people. of floor well they would arrest you too because you know you're interrupting yeah, we are changing yeah. like an activist group but yeah. like more of like the truth movement of yep. sorts and like they did more like ambush journalism to get the hard questions to yeah get we asked. had that clip Two weeks ago, of, not just uh, Luke, but yeah, yeah, yeah. L- Luke. But I think it was like with we are changing in that clip, yeah. uh, clip um, ambushing Henry Kissinger, which is pretty right. crazy. Yeah. Luke basically is we are change. He started we are change, and um, and and then there was a lot of uh, local we are change groups. But the Colorado we are change crew, uh, they were like really active. They really you know did a lot of good things. Uh, they spread a lot of word. And the other thing too that happens with fluoride. Is the reason the municipalities use fluoride is because there's a lot of federal financial, you know, incentive money uh, coming into these, uh, you know, little municipalities for poisoning, you know, the local population with the fluoride. 
something like half of that money they've given to Ukraine was used to buy uh, U.S. Treasury bonds. Oh, what? Wow. <laughs> what? Oh, they're trying right. to secure their future. Well, well it's That's just, such a dumb... just keep, keeping the Treasury, you know, U.S. Treasury bonds of some value because, yeah. you know, Someone the rest of the them. world is uh, dumping them. Yeah, nobody wants them. I mean, like, they're a terrible investment. You can do so much better than that. Um, so it says, on the ground, this war has destroyed every aspect of Gaza's environment. Nadia Maj Adali, the Ramallah-based Palestine director for EcoPeace Middle East, told Al Jazeera. Here's a look at how the unstoppable bombardment of the enclave could further affect climate change in a region that has already seen temperatures increase. Now, listen, I don't know much about, I don't really have an opinion on climate change, but I do believe that there are things people can do to harm the, or the planet we live on. And the other thing about it is it's just hypocrisy. Like the United States wants to control your life, make sure you, you know, only can buy a car that can do this because blah, 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 carbon emissions while they're paying to destroy two million people's home land. How is that good for the environment? And these are the same people that are probably um, behind the scenes right now trying to manufacture cans of air. You know, like what? they're <laughs> they're trying to sell you air in the future, like they did with water. Oh my! Goodness. You know what I mean? It's, oh, that's terrible. I feel like this is a thing. This is going to be a thing. Well, they're going to start taxing us for breathing, or you know how it is—the carbon tax. I feel like there's going to be something. It would be coming up because they tax us for every, everything else. I mean, it's not a bad idea to get into an industry that accepts carbon credits. The reason why is like they're going to be sought after. They're going to be highly valued. Even though it's a fiat thing, so like you can create carbon credits by producing, and the the state awards you for doing something good for the environment. I, da, I da, wouldn't da. want to trade with anybody who was diabolical enough to right. Yeah. Of course, like, but know, it's, it's like investing in Hitler. Yeah, as far as you I'm should concerned. invest in Hitler. Yeah, but you still take U.S. dollars. I mean, we it's the same thing. But see, it's going to increase in value. Is the thing. I think that's a, a step ahead the, the US, than just using U.S. dollars, even though U.S. dollars are blood money and The evil. U.S. government itself might be probably, well, it's definitely the largest polluter in the United States of America. If you look at the Mississippi uh, Delta, they have what's called a dead zone. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, and, yeah. And basically, like, fish can't live there. There's, like, an algae bloom that sucked up a lot of the water. And what it comes from is, like, tremendous amounts of synthetic nitrogen. Uh-huh. And, and all of this is only possible with... By one uh, for one reason of all this nitrogen, and it is called farm subsidies. And all these farm yep. subsidies require to use synthetic manure, synthetic nitrogen. Terrible. And if you look at basically the entire Mississippi River Valley area, all the watershed area, which is basically, you know, the continental divide east, and then like you know, like Pennsylvania west, you know, that Rocky Mountain, Appalachian Mountain west area. Um, it's it's uh it all runs off there and that's like you know the the breadbasket of of America and shouldn't a, a delta be like brimming with life because it's Correct. like the deposits of all right. the good stuff usually if you're not throwing but poison on the there's farms so much all around chemical fertilizer runoff so much chemical pesticide runoff uh, herbicide runoff fungicide runoff and all of that stuff is all required to get the farm subsidies. To get a farm subsidy on crop subsidy, you need to use Monsanto growing practices. Yeah. And, that uh, makes me so mad. So many people have <laughs> discovered like better ways to make plants grow than using synthetic um, herbicides and stuff like that, and pesticides. And one of the things I think is kind of a conspiracy theory, the reason that they teach you every year that 
George Washington Carver created peanut butter. And that's all they tell you about him is because they don't want you to look more into him because he was a huge advocate for regenerative farming even back then. Like, they had just started being using yeah, poisons. Yeah, be conscious of it, you know? And uh, he was showing how he could um, go and make people's farms 10 times more profitable just with, like, natural um, farming techniques. And he was one of those early people saying, like, we should not be doing this, uh, you know, nitrogen-based fake fertilizer and stuff like that. Well, and, this is um, why they have dust storms is because they're... Yeah manipulating fast growing crops and, and not stop it's planting the same spot. Everything. Yeah, they're not doing regenerative farming. Yeah. It is terrible. That's that's why they I think the dust bowl happened. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.